0: Okay, welcome to Why Is This Good, a podcast by the Naples Writers Workshop. I'm Christine, and I'm here with Rob and John. Hello, hey guys. Uh, this week we're going to share a story that I chose. It's called Girls at Play, and it's by Celeste, and I don't know how to pronounce her last name.
1: Eng, I think
0: it's Ng. I picked this because I read I recently read um, Little Fires Everywhere, so it's a book she did, and I read that because it was based in Shaker Heights, Ohio, which is a team that we ran against in high school track. That was my interest. Okay. That's where that stems from. And I saw the short story and I thought this would be good. So I'm going to read, uh, starting from the beginning of this short story. This is how we play the game. Pink means kissing, red means tongue, green means up your shirt, blue means down his pants, purple means in your mouth, black means all the way. We play the game at recess and the teachers don't notice. We stand on the playground by the flagpole, arms ringed with colored bracelets from the drugstore, waiting. The boys come past us in a bunch, all elbows laughing. They pretend not to look. We pretend not to see them. One of them reaches out and snaps a bracelet off of one of us, breaking it like a rubber band, fast and sharp as plucking a guitar string. He won't look back. He'll walk back the way he came along the edge of the football field, and whoever he picked, Angie or Carrie or Mandy, will watch him go. After a minute, she'll follow him and meet him under the bleachers far down the field where the teachers can't see. We play the game every day. In 8th grade, we're too old for foursquare and tetherball and kickball. It doesn't have a name, this game, and we don't talk about it, even when we're by ourselves after school. The boy's gone off to football or paper routes or hockey and no teachers around. But the game has rules. You go with the boy who snaps your bracelet. You don't pick the boy. He picks you. They're all the same to you. You do exactly what the color prescribes, even if you hate him. Like we hate Travis Coleman, whose fingernails are always great. No talking other than hello. Don't tell anyone if you hate it. If his tongue feels like a dead fish in your mouth, if his hands leave snail trails of sweat down your sides. No talking with the boys outside of the game. No talking about it afterwards. No laughing. No anything. Even if it's just the three of us. Pretend it never happened. Rub the dent on your arm. The red welt where the bracelet snapped and split until it goes away. I think that's good. So like I said, I picked it because I knew this author, and I wasn't a huge fan of the book of hers that I read. Have you guys read it?
2: No, I, I picked it up in the bookstore once, and I started it, and I was like, oh,
0: it's good. And then, yeah. yeah, I wasn't blown away by it or anything. I finished it um, because I felt like I had to. But I think what she did really well, the writing was always beautiful in the book, and I think the writing is beautiful in the short story. I just wasn't necessarily interested in the plot of that book. But I was interested in the plot of this short story. And I think what she did well on both was capture middle school and especially what it's like to be that age and to be a girl. And a lot of her stuff seems like sort of loosely autobiographical. Both this and the novel were set in a Cleveland suburb, which is kind of cool just because I like to read that and recognize those names. But it lends itself to a kind of like expertise on this era and place and culture. So I didn't play this game in middle school. But yeah. there are definitely <laughs> Does things. This exist? I don't know. I remember these bracelets and like, yeah. you know, news stories about these bracelets. But
2: oh no kidding yeah yeah
0: um so maybe it is real in Cleveland but I think she did a real good job of kind of tiptoeing the line between that age where you're really naive and when you're just starting to learn about these things. And then when you're just starting to do these things, but you're too young to be doing these things, but you understand sort of the cultural implications, at least in your little school of doing them. And the story goes on to introduce, obviously, this new girl in town and how she's so innocent and then how she learns about the game and how that changes her. So without any spoilers, that's pretty much the arc of it. But it with the game and it ends with the game, so that's what I thought she did well. I don't know if you guys kind of heard any truth to that. If you remember middle school,
2: yeah, mine was, was a long different time than ago. that.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I thought the um, the interesting thing about the bracelets for, for me was because I thought it was made up and I thought it was really imaginative and a great idea to start a story with, where you're kind of a, you're detailing this ritual. And you're, you're doing it at eye level, so to speak, so that you're there with these kids as they're doing it just by kind of nature of the way that this person writes and kind of sets up the these simple sentences and you're doing it with them. We do this. She's speaking in the second person plural right first first person plural. plural excuse me yeah. and um which i really liked and then you're still with him at eye level and then once we started getting into the background that's where i started it just felt like i knew that i kind of knew what the story was and i didn't know what it was when i'm get when i'm kind of being explained it without being without she's just completely showing the the game to it, to to start with that which christine read which That was easily my favorite part. And I I thought it was going to be a different type of story. Yeah. I thought we were just going to follow them and just kind of watch it unfold. Which is, whether it's personal preference, that's what I I like to see. I don't really like a lot of background and story, which when when you guys listen to the next episode, you're going to see why with the story that I chose. Like, I just like to see action just show it to me. I mean, not the show and tell thing, but I want to see it happen. And I don't mind a little narrative kind of sprinkled in with the narrator injecting herself. But I thought kind of there was too much of the narrator here, too much of the we where I'm, I'm kind of waiting to get back to, well, just put me in the situation and let me figure out for myself. And I like the story because it, like Christine said, there is a lot of truth to it, but I was hoping just to kind of stay there with the kids and not with, mm-hmm. it felt, once we got into, Christine stops at a good place because once we get into the next paragraphs, so then you kind of feel like an adult reading it. There's kind of a, um, a, a, you kind of step back and you feel a little removed from it.
0: Like it's almost told in some kind of hindsight where you can understand the situation yeah, at that Yeah, it's age. really subtle
2: too because, you know, Obviously, the the tense isn't changing. She's still yeah. speaking in the first person plural. We're still we. We're still doing this. But once you're not there, like on the ground level with these kids, it just, there's kind of an immediacy or an, an intensity that just kind of evaporated for me.
0: It does shift. And I wasn't a huge fan of the shift. So to Rob's point, we start here where the narrator's kind of laying out what the game is and what it looks like and how it's played. And then, like I said, they introduce this new character and that's when it becomes a story that you didn't necessarily anticipate. I thought she did do a good job by the end of kind of coming back around to the game as a sort of explanation for why she started started there but I know, I know i know what you mean yeah did you like it john
1: oh yeah yeah this was really well done i didn't respond the same way to that i i did i did feel like that, that shift though and it was more you know it's one of those like we talked about in previous episodes where you have you put down the background material but you make that interesting and then you get into the scene eventually because that the whole first section ends with this is how we are when Grace moves to town. And that sets up, now we're going to get into who's Grace, what happens when Grace shows up, which is what the story is. So I don't know. I I, I liked it. I did like it.
0: By the end, I liked it. I I didn't feel some huge payoff with the end of the story, but I was thinking about it after I read it, which is usually a good sign for me of whether I liked it.
1: Yeah. I wasn't sure what to do with the ending either.
0: Yeah. The ending's really ambiguous. And I think it's supposed to be obviously, but it, it was almost wasn't satisfying because i wanted to know and appreciate what the particular shift was for grace
1: Mm -hmm. yeah that's is is the story about is it grace's story or is it the girls the we story i think there's a um that might be why i wasn't sure what to do like am i am i here for grace or am i here for the other girls i don't know
0: yeah i don't know if we should i don't want to give a spoiler but it's, it's about... Well,
1: people should have read. Yeah, yeah the link should have a Spoiler <laughs>
0: Paul Gill. But, so it's it's all about how Grace is almost alien to this culture, and they introduce her slowly, but they try not to ruin her, because they recognize their younger selves in her, and they, they realize that she's pure, and they're fascinated by her fascination with things, and when she finds out about the game, they're like, oh no, what do we do? They withhold it, and she threatens not to be friends with them, because at that point she's like kind of wising up, and when she finally plays it then at the end the narrator does that thing which like sometimes it pulls off they pull it off well like it uh kind of reminded me almost of of that story that you chose Rob where the guy gets shot in the head and the narrator narrator says like this is not what he thought about not what he thought about not what he thought about
2: yeah
1: bullet in the brain
0: yeah that was, we talked about expertly done. This was kind of like, she could have thought this, she could have thought that, she could have done this when it happened or this when it happened. And we don't get the answer, but it's all less satisfying because in my mind, each of those potential outcomes has a totally different ramification for her, right? Like either she does go with the boy and do, and she does what he says, or she doesn't. And that marks something different for her, or she remembers it this way or that way. or Yeah, and to, to John's point, uh, we're not hearing this from graces perspective we're hearing it from the girl's perspective and so it's like well is the point that regardless innocence was lost and that's the takeaway or is it the particulars of what happened you know that's why it felt like kind of a cop out
1: yeah I mean it might, it might be the case that that's more of the denouement than the, the, the real ending is when they force the bracelets onto her right I mean that's because that's, that's, that's their action that's what they do at the end of the story
0: yeah so there's that section if you if you read it where it says we grab her by the shoulders and we force her down, first onto her knees, then on into the grass. And, the, and they're pulling the bracelets off their arms and shoving them onto hers. And that feels like the scene that were not shown with the boys, right? That feels like a rape scene.
2: Yeah, that was really powerful.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a good point, John. Maybe she should have ended there.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we talked about how many endings the stories have. I think it was for Bullet in the Brain we talked about that.
2: Yeah, because yeah, I didn't like the ending that he had. It's interesting that... We take such part into endings. It's like, no, you have to do it this way. It's not the middle or the beginning. I don't know. When I'm thinking about my stories, I sweat the beginning more than anything. The ending always seems like, oh, of course it's going to come here. That's true. Yeah, I find beginnings to be way more troublesome. I didn't mind this ending. I just didn't love the story, so that's probably why I didn't mind it.
0: Yeah, Rob's like, well, that's fine. (laughs) Good enough. (laughs) It's a fine ending to a fine story.
2: It's just, I just, we've heard this story. The innocence lost with the height, like so many times times. So to to start it off in such a cool, weird way, and then to be like, "Er, let's it's almost like watching Clueless or something we're gonna take the girl and was like I've seen that a million times that's a really good point I have not seen bracelets with guy, kids taking them it was so this had like a um, like a weird um, like sex fetish ritual that like Illuminati weird thing where there, every, there's people standing there they're quiet they're holding out their like there was just something really a- ancient feeling about it it was just weird and it was totally cool because it's set in middle school and whether or not it's happened it was just such a startling image and then just to go to this really kind of like We see this on, like you know the oxygen channel I think yeah
0: I think you nailed it right there because I did kind of when I realized we were going to be hearing about grace for a while I kind of sat back and was like all right I guess I got to read this but I was hoping and waiting for the bracelets to come back not just because she set up an expectation but because that was the most interesting part yeah and you're right we've seen girls grow up and yeah yeah I think you're right I didn't really think I was bored but I was just kind of like meh about it but maybe it is because this is a very familiar arc it's
2: interesting sometimes to sort of monitor how you feel during a story and i don't know if i necessarily do this but i've certainly thought about like how will the reader feel when he's reading mine or she's reading this or whatever so but yeah there's like there's a point and there's like when you get like jacked during a story when like whether it's the action or the writing whatever like it's a physical reaction as much as being like this is what we're doing
0: yeah absolutely so
2: maybe like a good way since this podcast is called what is this podcast called why is it good (laughs) (laughs)
0: knife to my heart rob
2: Uh, just get it maybe to like remember ask yourself all right is this good as you're reading something like am i enjoying this like am i having fun
0: you said too it's a physical reaction like i um when i was little i loved dave berry and he was in the paper and i would read his stuff and i would think this is so funny and then i would i would insist upon watching one of my family members read it. And when I show someone like a movie or a TV show that I've seen that they haven't, I am, I'm watching them. And With the Dave Barry stuff, though, the fact that it was written, it's like people do have a physical response, not just because it's humor, but you can tell when people get bored, like when they shift their weight or when they're like literally at the edge of their seats, like fixed. And maybe that's a good kind of takeaway for this. Not necessarily what to mimic, but read your stuff aloud to someone and see if they're bored out of their skull. Yeah.
2: Check your pulse when you're reading. Yeah.
0: And your own. Yeah. Like when you're when you're reading your own stuff, maybe you're a bad judge. But I absolutely know when I'm boring a reader or a listener because I've done it.
2: That may be the reason why I didn't get, um, excited about her book. She's probably not listening, so. <laughs> First
0: <should I>? list. <laughs>
2: but it start. i remember being like i liked the i liked the book cover i liked that she was young i liked that it was a new book it had a lot of um cool blurbs on it i was like mm-hmm. oh cool this sounds good it had a good title what, what was the title called little, fires, little fires that's an awesome title but then I, you just started reading it and i was like it had like and then she, wasn't it sort of like a background of a family with there's a sister and there's a bat. is there is that anywhere close to it yeah
0: so there's like a family that's new to town and they meet their rich landlord and kinda, that's whatever yeah. story
2: that was i was like
0: oh i know that story yeah so i put the book down you're 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 right. And okay, so here's another critique of the novel that none of us read. (laughs) Um, She does the same thing where she lays out a premise that's familiar, like I just described, new girl to town. But the plot of the book, I remember, did not start until like halfway through. And the plot was out of left field. It's about, it ends up being about a woman who gives her daughter up for adoption and then wants her back. And those characters weren't even introduced at the beginning. And it almost feels like Grace kind of dropping in on this short story. That's interesting. Yeah.
2: I wonder if any critics have noted that. The the three of us. Well, she, I mean, she seems big time, isn't she? This is a...
0: Oh, yeah, like...
2: Didn't she win an award for that?
0: Probably, I don't know. She got shortlisted for something big. Yeah, she's well known and everybody likes her stuff. Uh But yeah, yeah, maybe that's why this wasn't one of these, like, winners. Is there anything that we can say that's nice?
2: I thought we did say nice stuff. There's a lot of power here. Okay. There's tons of it. I mean, the first, that's the first page on this printout and then the um, the bracelet rape thing was crazy. And then Grace is an interesting character too. I, I mean, I like the character. I just don't want to see them put in the same thing again. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I don't mind like archetypes if you can like dress them up, put a mustache on it, but to make it do something different, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that the, if, even if the plot is tired, the, the way it's accomplished is good, right? Like she really, writes well oh so sure so does it really The writing's well. flawless yeah so there are things that we could like learn from this like how do you how do you accomplish something even like little turns of phrase uh like nice little metaphors and, and stuff like that what was that that one about fur putting on the um
0: like the makeup on her, her eye yeah makeup? putting
1: on the eye makeup and then she mm-hmm. said something like that it's good.
0: I did like the kind of tone of voice with the like Grace is the only one with actual speaking parts and, and we is the collective we, the girls. I kind of like, I think that lends itself to what Rob was talking about, this like ritual, this tribal sort of ancient thing where it's like we, we decide this, like the elders almost.
1: There's this uh, on on the PDF we're going to link to is page 72. There's a um, a paragraph from all the way across the blacktop. We can see it, everything, etc. Uh, I'm sorry i should say from all the way across the blacktop we can see that everything about her is wrong and this reminded me of that story we did a while back uh, when they came to us yeah. so it's that same mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. and it's like that scene we talked about where the girls are peeking in at the alien and um her shirt is too big She's tiny and it's huge and hangs out every... Like the, the way that she's being described is that same othering technique that we right. talked about for that. And this... The, the we thing here, it actually reminded me because it's the three girls become we and there's other girls... They're referred to as the other girls most of the time and other people by name, like teachers and stuff. But, um, this reminded me of, uh, a science fiction story, uh, novel called, uh, by Werner Vinge, Fire Upon the Deep, where there's an alien race. They're called the Tines. And I think that's because, like, it's the Tines are individual members of a collective
0: fork. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: like a fork, tines of a fork. A fork is a single a single collective thing and the individual members of that thing they're individual but they're part of a whole, right? So in the in that story it follows from their point of view as being a collective individual. So they have one consciousness, one mind, one state of understanding, but it's collected among an individual pack, or among individuals of a pack. And so that kind of reminded me of this, where she called, she says, she writes it from we. So everything that they say, everything they do is always we this, we that. But there's a couple of moments, um, here and there where once Angie stole a black sharpie, right? And that's one member of the we did, did that thing. And, um, A couple of other moments where uh, their names are used, like three or four times throughout the whole thing, so it's not very often. Like when they were stealing the the makeup, Angie slides a deep red lipstick into her jeans pocket. Carrie tucks a pack of Twizzlers up the sleeve of her shirt. Mandy pops a bottle of nail polish under the tongue of her sneaker. Then finally, Grace pulls the pink and green tube of mascara from its package and tucks it down the neckline of her sweater. And even the way that's done there, the parallel constructions of name of girl verb, name of girl action that she does to steal something, Grace falls into that same parallel, so she's joining the Hack in a away there. Although that's undermined a few sentences later when Grace doesn't look at us where she's being separated again.
0: Does that section have an I, like first person?
1: No, there's never an I. Never yeah. I. It's always... So I is always... Like we is the only first person. Whenever they talk about an individual member, it's third person. Mm -hmm. It's Mandy does this, Angie does that.
0: Because I was going to say, even though it says we, it does feel like it's coming from one girl who who has really, really bought into this we are a unit thing.
1: And it might be just, I I felt like it was a shifting personality, like the group Mm -hmm. personality. Mm -hmm. And it could have been Angie speaking in one moment and Mandy speaking in another moment. That's cool to think about. But they're representing themselves as the group. And even when Grace talks to them, it's Grace told us. It's not like Grace leaned in close to Mandy and whispered blah 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 it's grace came up to us we're always a three-headed monster
0: it sort of reminded me of the when they came to us the blues like you said because there's that other aspect but then the idea too that she came to them in a way that they thought was kind of perfect or unique or special. And then over time she turns into something that they were not okay with. Like, she morphed into this monster kind of like these alien creatures went from being mostly benign to annoying to they've got to go and we're going to kill them.
1: What did she morph into? She morphed into them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's what that's why I was like kind of I was wondering what my takeaway was supposed to be. Is this supposed to be like a story of what your mom thinks when she sees you as a teenager? Like I've never heard this perspective where other Teenagers lament lost innocence of a peer. Oh, that's interesting. These, these stories are usually told like as a rite of passage, not as, Aren't you sorry this happened to you? because it happened to me. I don't know.
1: There's also this moment, well, in the the first couple pages when she's setting everything up. They're talking about the game and they say we aren't stupid or high. We don't do it because we don't know better. And it isn't harm- hormones either. If you asked us, we couldn't explain, but it has something to do with their stares. And they she goes on and talks about a bunch of showing a bunch of um little vignettes that suggest that they they have don't have a lot of self-worth. Yeah. Right? And this is what's underlying things. So when they meet Grace, they say we remember exactly what it's like to be her alone and awkward on the open prairie of the playground um and earlier they said something about her looks familiar and then that is echoed so that her being um the outsider the she she's suggested as like not fitting in not being um not not having a lot of self-worth the way they would describe themselves and then later on when we're getting closer to the end they're talking about grace after she's changed this new creature uh with darkened eyes and sleek clothing at first she looks like a stranger but there's something familiar about her it's like that same wording something familiar about her when she's becoming more like them they're not quite recognizing it in themselves so i think those little moments um i agree with you you know you guys what you said about the plot overall it is a a a, um familiar plot and we can get we can feel stale feel it as if it's stale a lot of times but there's like little moments like that to do that's where why i said she does it so well she does it does do it really well
0: is there anything that you guys would take away from this or what would you say that we should mimic or maybe not mimic, but what's a lesson, I guess?
1: The, the main lesson that I, it's the same lesson I, I pull out of so many different stories is just point of view. Um, I think I talked about this with the, uh, no, I, I, I talked about something else for that one, but the same, the alien story when they came to us. But this point of view is handled in a different way than that one is. And it's, it just, it's just demonstrating the point of view. And I've mentioned this in other podcasts, we think of it as being so static but they're so versatile. It mm-hmm. is so immensely versatile. And it's everything for fiction. Like I think uh, Rob mentioned in the Saunders one is like, this is what fiction can do. It can get you into a point of view. The right. kind of thing that other other media can't do. Fiction does it. And that's so just watching a really well executed point of view is kind of kind of
0: neat. Right. Because had she done this in just like some third person, it would have been a totally different story. Or yeah. like from Grace's perspective, obviously would have been a different story. Yeah, she really kind of stretched the limits of this point of view. What about you, Rob? Um,
2: I would try to, if like if I'm writing something and I pre- and I come upon something that's interesting and that feels like an opportunity, meaning like oh I f- came up with something and this could like put the story on a really cool trajectory, but it's it's either this or it's that or it's too much this or too much that. I would say let's go for it because I think this writer had an opportunity and then wrote something that was a little tamer and I would have I would like to spend more time in just that kind of weird and it it kind of there's kind of a scary feeling to the first page of the story. Too, that i'm just kind of realizing now it was just kind of off, not off-putting but it made me feel uncomfortable but in an ex- like you know in a dramatic way yeah, yeah like, where is this going exactly. oh My gosh. Exactly. Yeah, well, <laughs> more even that than just where am i and that's really yeah. um exciting as a reader when you just i just don't when you just feel like you have no compass and you don't know which way to turn but then i but then to turn into a kind of a more comfortable or sunny direction or whatever was disappointing yeah, so if, familiar. if you come across right if you come across the unfamiliar just like Try to go headlong and see what happens.
0: Yeah. We'll understand Rob's preference for that by the time we read the babysitter story. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) you love it. (laughs) I guess my takeaway would be that stupid tip that I gave earlier, which is just to piggybacking off what Rob said, like test either your own temperature, but I really enjoy like reading my stuff to someone or like I'm editing a podcast right now for work and I send it to my sister and I'm, I'm like, I do the same thing you do, John, when you want us to read your novel. You're like, tell me when you got bored. Tell me when you consciously zoned out and That's one I'll know. That's a good measure of whether you've stumbled upon something like that Rob wants to read in its entirety or like <laughs> I did read that this Rob is gonna just shit on for an yeah, entire right. episode. So <laughs> Rob's the barometer. Alright, I think this is a good episode. Thanks guys. Hey, Doug.